Hello and welcome to the other side. I'm your host Sagar. Today we will be talking about the Sri Lankan elections and India. In the presidential elections held last year, President Gotabaya Rajapaksa had a decisive victory. And in the parliamentary elections held last week on August 5th, the SLPP, which is the Sri Lanka Podujana Paramuna Party, emerged victorious. What does the return of Rajapaksas mean for India? Because in the past they've had a China-centric foreign policy. To discuss all these issues, I have with me. Ms. Ritika Vikapu, she's a researcher on India, Sri Lanka, and India-Maldives relations. She largely tracks Bay of Bengal with a focus on multilateral organizations functioning within the Indian Ocean region. Currently, she's researching on India's vision of security and growth for all in the region. Ritika, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me here today. The Rajapaksas are back in power. They now occupy the two most important political positions in Sri Lanka. For the podcast listeners, Ritika, could you frame a chronology of political events right from the time of the constitutional crisis of 2018 to the present day when we have Mahinda Rajapaksa as the Prime Minister of Sri Lanka? Absolutely. Uh, the Rajapaksa brothers are indeed back in power with uh, Gotabaya as the president, having won the elections in November 2019, and his elder brother Mahinda Rajapaksa as the prime minister, having won the parliamentary elections just last week. Uh, so, as far as the chronology is concerned, I think uh, the constitutional crisis is, in fact, a good stage to start off with. But uh, I think I will go back in time a little and uh, talk about Mahinda Rajapaksa in particular. So, he's been a two-time prime minister between 2005 and 2015, having served two consecutive terms. Then he was defeated in his bid for a third term in 2015 presidential elections by Maithripada Sirisena. Since the presidential elections did not work in his favor, he filed his nomination for the prime ministership, but was again defeated, this time by Ranil Vikramasinghe. Then came October 2018. Now, I like to refer to this as the period of political confusion in Sri Lanka because there was so much chaos with respect to the prime ministership. So it was actually Ranil Vikramasinghe because he had won the elections back in 2015, but President Sirisena very abruptly appointed Mahinda Rajapaksa as the Prime Minister in October 2018. This was then followed by a series of parliamentary actions in response to this very serious confusion. And towards the end, we saw that the Court of Appeal declared this event as unconstitutional, and Rajapaksa publicly resigned from the position. And uh, Ranit Vikramasinghe was reappointed as the Prime Minister. Then, few months later, in uh, April 2019. Uh, Sri Lanka witnessed one of the deadliest terrorist attacks the easter bombings the administration was blamed for not having paid uh, enough heed to the intelligence warnings from india about a possible attack uh, tensions within ethnic groups in sri lanka increased the political system weakened and then came the presidential elections in november 2019 now remember this was the time when vikramasinghe was the prime minister and maithripala sirisena was the president and then came this figure gotabaya rajapaksa who was mahinda's younger brother uh, to, to won... stop you i mean to add to to add on to that gotabaya was the defense secretary between uh, 2005 and 2015 when mahinda rajapaksa his elder brother Correct. was In the his president cabinet yes go on Correct. and then came gotabaya rajapaksa who was mahinda's younger brother and as he correctly pointed out he also formed part of mahinda's earlier cabinet and uh, he won these presidential elections and uh, he did exactly what his brother had long been waiting for gotabaya as the new president appointed his brother mahinda rajpaksa as the interim prime minister following the resignation of vikramasinghe 
uh now just last week the president the parliamentary elections took place and what we saw was precisely what the rajapaksa family had aspired for so yes you're quite right the rajapaksas are indeed indeed back in power so that's a good that's a good answer you make an interesting point so let, let let's now let's let's get to the other side you know now that they've won now they're back, back at the power back in the power so let's tell us what will be the implications of this victory of rajapaksa brothers on india should india be more watchful now Uh, well i think it means various things for uh, various reasons uh, internally i think uh, these people are going to carry out some interesting constitutional reforms uh, particularly the repeal of the 19th amendment which had curbed the presidential powers uh, now your question is specifically about india so um, yes. i would say that the victory of the rajapaksa family is in itself a very good opportunity for india to strengthen ties with sri lanka so uh, you know when gotabaya won the presidential elections in november 2019 there certainly was a feeling of concern in india but india wasn't surprised you know some people had stated that the return of the rajapaksas would disturb the indo lanka relations but oh. i think this is absolutely false it's not that the rajapaksas are new to india and okay. uh, if we were to take note of the recent developments um, as as recent as uh, february 2020 mahinder rajapaksa met with the indian president the prime minister the foreign affairs minister in the capacity of the interim prime minister of sri lanka okay. then we had dr s jay shankar who specially flew down to colombo to wish the newly elected president gotabaya within days of the poll results and uh, within 10 days of this election gotabaya himself made his first overseas visit to india as the president these two leaders had a one on one discussion on how there is a need for india and sri lanka to put behind the misunderstandings especially the ones which uh, stemmed right after the end of his brother's tenure in 2015 and uh, that there is an absolute need for the two nations to move forward uh, now this interaction was quite important uh, between modi and gotabaya because uh, it resulted in india announcing a line of credit of 400 million us dollars for development projects in sri lanka and a fund amounting to 50 million us dollars to fight terrorism and you know of course uh, high level interactions between india and sri lanka have always been very positively been taking place so when conversations like these take place uh, that sri lanka will be following an anti india stance now that the rajapaksas are back i think these get a little exaggerated you see okay. sri lanka is a very small developing country which uh, you know aims to modernize its economy and for that it requires support from other powerful states uh, china seems to be uh, a fitting player having the financial ability and capacity to support these nations india has also been supporting many development projects in sri lanka so i think it's important that india's participation in such projects is not hindered because of china's engagement with that country now having mentioned this i think if at all an event impacts india's interests or happens to have any security concerns for india then definitely it becomes a problem and india will have an issue with it so things are going to be difficult but uh, i think only time will tell us to how sri lanka plays the game okay let's 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 you know now you made sense you know now you explained now that we have discussed the how the rise of mind of rajapaksa and the gotabaya rajapaksas and then you've discussed the how the relations between india and uh, the leaders you know seems to be changing let's mm-hmm. let me ask you a, let me ask you another question what is the strategic importance of sri lanka to india to be the regional power or the super power right i think that's a very important question and uh, i think i will uh, answer this question quite simply uh, i can think of three reasons for this of course there are a lot many but uh, i will stick to three at the moment um 
the first one relates to the concerns developing from the chinese activities in the indian ocean region uh, sri lanka is an important partner for india to balance a neighborhood which is seemingly becoming a china leading one the second mm. reason is sri lanka's hugely important role in india's uh, neighborhood first policy as well as the ramayan circuit uh, you know sri lanka is an absolutely indispensable part of it and uh, finally the historical ties between the two nations uh, the strong people to people contact uh, you know the very strong sentimental connect between indian tamils and sri lankan tamils uh, so i think these three points quite importantly highlight the significance of sri lanka to india but as i said there are a lot of other reasons as well so ritika you saying one cannot ignore the pro china stance that the rajapaksa led government had during his two presidential terms so how should india ensure that the rajapaksa's proximity with the chinese does not affect india's interest now right again the return of the rajapaksa brothers uh, sounds like great news to china so whenever i'm asked to talk about uh, china and sri lanka i love to bring this statistics into picture which uh, discusses the amount of chinese investments into sri lanka between 2005 and 2015 uh, precisely during the two presidential terms of uh, mahinda rajapaksa So you see in early 2005 the Chinese FDI flows in Sri Lanka accounted for just about 1% of the total FDI inflows and this figure of 1% stood at 16.4 million US dollars okay. fast forward 10 years by 2015 this figure increased to 338 million US dollars accounting okay. for 35% of the total FDI inflows into Sri Lanka from 1% to 35% Now this is a very huge figure in ten, in the span of 10 years in a span of 10 years 10 years yes uh, go on right additionally about uh, 360 million us dollars of borrowed chinese money helped sri lanka build a huge deep water port at hambantota the story which we all know and yes. uh, this money also supported the construction of an international airport as well as a highway Uh, okay. Interestingly, uh, Rajpaksa also has a thirty-five thousand seat cricket stadium named after him. Uh, there's a separate convention center and many other infra projects, all financially supported by the Chinese. Okay. Now, there's there's clearly no denial about the sudden increase in Chinese investments into Sri Lanka during the presidency of uh, Mahinda Rajpaksa, and this has subsequently made the country appear as pro-China. But okay. again, one has to remember three things here. Number one. that the hambantota port project was first offered to india only when oh. india found it unfeasible and declined it was the deal offered to china number 2 uh, how can india ensure that her interests are not affected um, i think since india has lately been pursuing policies okay. focusing on her immediate neighborhood uh, connectivity is the key to regional integration uh, we know that south asia is one of the least integrated regions in the okay. world and this has widely been spoken about by the indian foreign minister dr s jayashankar um, there is a trilateral project running between india japan and sri lanka for the development of the east container terminal at the colombo port but uh, just last month president gotabaya announced that he would review this deal because the local okay. trade unions were worried that the ownership of this terminal would be ceded to india now some say that this is being instigated by china so all these concerns do exist okay. but there is a serious requirement for india to be proactive on so many other projects uh, you know a lot of senior security experts have repeatedly expressed that it is time india and sri lanka finalize the economic and technical cooperation agreement the updated version okay. of uh, india sri lanka fta and this is something which has been significantly delayed uh, 
uh, we see India's assistance in the form of various housing projects, as well as assistance which is being currently provided during the time of the coronavirus pandemic, has greatly been lauded by the Sri Lankans. And uh, I believe that the Indian Sri Lank uh, that the Indian foreign policy has over time changed for the good, uh, particularly in favor of the immediate neighborhood, which was a much required change. Uh, of course, bureaucratic lethargy is one thing that has always been our okay. enemy. And uh, therefore, it is a speed of delivery which has to be reworked from the Indian side. And number three, uh, I think India must look towards the regional organizations existing within this region. Uh, BIMSTEC is a very good example as a sub-regional construct representing the Bay of Bengal economies. Uh, so to explain to explain what the what BIMSTEC is to our listeners, BIMSTEC is a Bay of Bengal initiative for multi-sectoral, technical and economic cooperation. Go on, Ritika. Right. Uh, and since Sri Lanka is the current chair of BIMSTEC, I think India could definitely use this platform to revitalize what we call the connectedness of the region. Uh, okay. And of course, cooperation through IORA and IONS also stands significant, but I think that requires a separate discussion altogether. So, Ritika, because you mentioned the Hambantota port project, I would like to end this podcast by seeking your final views on the debt trap diplomacy which is believed to be engineered by China on small developing nations. So what's it all about? Right, that's again a very interesting question. Um, so as I mentioned before, developing nations are often in dire need of financial resources to support their development projects. China offers cheap loans. And sometimes okay. the mode of repayment involves several concessions. In the case of Hambantota, since Sri Lanka found itself under massive debt, accompanied by an internal balance of payment crisis, it made the decision to hand over control of the Hambantota port to China for 99 years. Okay. And uh, I think this kind of diplomacy is largely about targeting small, developing, low to middle income countries. Uh, you know, look at the African nations or in fact, uh, come closer to India and look at the Republic of Maldives. Same yes. story. Yes. Now, I also came across this very interesting uh, Sri Lankan perspective on the Hambantota story. And uh, they say that the global dialogue over Hambantota carries certain misconceptions. Okay. And... Uh, one of these is that uh, the Sri Lankan government was compelled to hand over the port for 99 years because the loan had become onerous and the government could not afford to pay it off. Okay. Whereas there exists a general consensus among uh, both academics and policymakers within Sri Lanka that the government could have continued to repay the loan if it wanted to. Okay. And while they agree that these loans were obtained at commercial rates of about 6.3%, uh, which is in fact higher than most interest rates on Chinese loans to Sri Lanka, each okay. loan had a grace period of about five years and a payback period of more than 15 years. Okay. So this Hambantota loan was in fact a long-term loan and the individual payments on the loan was quite manageable. Okay. And uh, in 2017, when the then government decided to go for a debt to equity swap on the Hambantota port, there were some concerns about, uh, you know, upcoming debt obligations over the next three to four years. So the government quite importantly recognized the need to restructure the debt on some of these projects that hadn't been as profitable as they had hoped they would be. And clearly Hambantota port was one of these projects. So it was an entirely commercial decision based on an understanding that the country needed to boost its reserves in the short service its debt obligations in the long term. Okay. And, uh, you know, very interestingly, some analysts are now speaking about how Hambantota port is generating more profits than it was uh, back in 2017. And that uh, the employment has tripled, the amount of cargo coming in has increased four times. And these are all Sri Lankan government statistics. 
so okay. um, i'm currently trying to track how this uh, the sort of uh, operational success is being handled by sri lanka so to add on to what rithika just said in my opinion india should be concerned about sri lanka mainly because of three reasons one is a detrap diplomacy that the china follows two that the rajapaksas are now back in power three is that of the sri lankan economy because the total 90% of the sri lankan gdp and the total external debt is at over 50 billion dollars that is 60% of the gdp so india should be worried is, the, is so i i say india should be worried would you agree agree with me rithika absolutely they should be they should be worried about this okay so we've come to the end of this podcast it was not only insightful but it was knowledge packed conversation that we had with rithika so thank you so much it was a pleasure talking to you rithika thank you so much sagar it was an absolute pleasure to be part of the series